sorry. Hey, happy Father's Day. Can we uh, say happy Father's Day to all those fathers out here? Well, that was pretty weak. Must be a lot of average fathers. And, uh, so I figured if it's Father's Day, you know, I'm not much of a joke teller, but a couple of good uh, dad jokes. I have a really good dad joke about COVID-19, but I don't want to spread it around. Very good. How did I know you were going to be the ones? Yes. Meg and I got in this uh, heated argument this week, and I told Meg that she needs to embrace her mistakes, so she hugged me. Oh, that's good. Anyway, that's all I got when it comes to dad jokes. Sorry. I do want to do, next year I want to do, somebody write this down and remind me earlier. I want to do that dad joke off thing. You know, they, like if you laugh, you're off, and I want to do it with the whole staff. So somebody plan that for next year. Hey, a couple of invitations coming up uh, for you. If you're new at Grace, we'd love to know that you're here. Just text hello to the number on the screen. That's the easiest way. There is a card in the back of the seat that says I'm new. You can fill that out. Drop it in the information counter. Uh, we have something coming up here soon called Party with the Pastor, which happens on our patio on July 10th at 5.30. That's just for the people who are new or newer and you're just trying to get to know a few people to get to know Meg and I. Well, here she comes. Hi, Meg. Anyway. Uh, Meg and I would love to just meet you, but we also have other people from the Grace team who are there. Just a chance for you to get to know us, navigate church a little bit easier. Um, we had quite a few people who expressed an interest in being baptized. What they said was, I really wanted to get baptized during the open baptism that happened a few weeks ago, uh, but I couldn't be there, or I just couldn't get up the nerve to do it, but now I want to. So we want to extend an invitation to all of you. If you've said yes to Jesus and you haven't been baptized, we're going to do that on the 10th of July. Yeah. Uh, so what I need you to do, if that's you, if you want to be baptized, just stop at the information counter and just say, I want to be baptized, and they will uh, get you everything you need to make that happen on July 10th. So we uh, have a special uh, morning this morning, I want to remind you we're in this series called Sex and Sexuality. It is a PG-13 series, so if you're online with your young people, uh, you just need to know that we're talking about a mature subject, so there will be some uh, mature conversation, and as I've said all the way through this, if you're not ready to talk to your children about some of these things, then you may not want to continue on with what we're about to talk about, because somewhere along the way they may ask you, what are they talking about? And then you're going to have to follow up with that. So you decide if you want your children uh, online listening or if they're here in the room and you want to take them to the children's program, uh, we have a wonderful service there that they can be a part of. want to remind you some of the ground rules, if you will, or, or basic truths we're working from. Uh, remember, we've said this every week, you can get your theology right, but if you get love wrong, you're still wrong. Right? You can get your theology right, but if you get love wrong, you're still wrong. We are working uh, from a biblical perspective. What does the Bible say? What is God's word? We're not working from what society says. And those two things sometimes, oftentimes, are in conflict. So this is a, a series where we're saying, what does the word of God say? What does God expect from us and for us when it comes to sex and sexuality? So that's important. We have talked about the fact that we can't let our desires shape our theology, rather our theology should shape our desires. That's important. Sometimes we want the Bible to say something, and so we read into it something that it doesn't say, and in this case, we need to be careful. But this morning, uh, the most common question that I've received throughout the series and, and prior to this series was, how do I talk to my child? How do I talk to young people about uh, gender confusion, about uh, same-sex attraction? Sex and sexuality is a hard subject. 
I want to remind you one of the things we've talked about is we need to get more comfortable with this conversation. Instead of 100-minute conversation, we need to get comfortable having 101-minute conversations. That We need to be talking about this all the time. As parents, as uh, leaders of young people, we just need to get more comfortable uh, entering into this dialogue. And so I decided uh, this morning that uh, I didn't want to answer your questions. I wanted to bring in somebody else to answer your questions. Um, but we are really privileged to have Tim Hogan with us. Tim is a psychologist. He's an author. Yeah, you can clap for Tim. <laughs> Tim was the director of the Counseling Center, uh, just very respected speaker, uh, has written a few books. We'll, I'll tell you about one of his books that just got published here recently, and we'll be selling that. But uh, with no further ado, would you welcome to the stage Dr. Tim Hogan. Welcome, welcome. Thank you. So why don't you tell us just a little bit about what you've been doing since Counseling Center yeah. move and family. Tim is a husband, father. What's going on in your life? Give us a little Well, update. first of all, I want to thank you for having me back. I mean, it, this feels like, you know, in the spring when you go up north and you haven't been in Lake Huron for a long time and you're, it's a really hot day and then you jump in the water and it's so refreshing. Or yeah. freezing. Well, first, but then refreshing. <laughs> it's really good to be back, and I'm glad you waited for just the right time. A nice, easy Topic. softball over the middle of the plate. We can handle these questions with no controversy, so thanks. Yeah, you're welcome. <laughs> no, so I've been, um, one of the first things I did when I left the Counseling Center three years ago is I, I had been working for a publisher just doing little projects, and I jumped in and wrote the book that just came out last year. Um, thank you very much. And, uh, and it's a book about um, how culture has so radically changed. And so that was, that's a big professional work I've been doing. Uh, and you're still seeing people and offering help? I do. I have a small private practice on the west side in Plymouth. It's like jammed to the gills, so it's not like I don't have room to add people. But I still get to do what I love. So That's awesome. Yeah. It's very good. So tell us just a little bit more about the book. We're going to be selling the book. Uh, at the information counter. If you buy it online, it's about 19, 20 bucks, but we're selling it for 10 bucks, so today's the day if you want to get the book. But what, what is it? Just give us a brief summary of the well, book. Well, the book came from a process of speaking for this publisher around the country, and I, they would ask me to come speak on culture and anxiety and culture and sexuality and culture and suicide and culture and drug overdose. And what I kept coming across is that our culture is in having an epidemic in all these areas. There's something massive going on in our culture, and uh, it's, it's really affecting, as we know, if you have parents right here, I, you know what I'm talking about, trying to raise kids in this culture. It's just radically different. It's a, we call it a every 500-year cultural hurricane that's hit our culture. So the question is, how do we cultivate a healthy spirituality in the middle of all this? And that's where the book came from, so... And what is the cultural hurricane? Like, is there yeah. one particular thing that you well, think is creating it's the, it? the tech revolution, but really smartphones and social media have done more to change the way our nervous system processes. It's done more to change the way we interact with each other. So our empathy levels are way down because we now spend five hours and 20 minutes looking at a screen rather than looking into each other's eyes and learning about nonverbal communication and empathy and what's really going on. Uh, even though emojis are great, you know, like, yes. handy. looks like you're 10 minutes late again, <laughs> LOL, you know, whatever, like, rather than telling the truth to each other. So, yeah, so it's, but it's changed our nervous system is the key. 
And there's a bunch of data that then gets integrated with spirituality in the book. So yeah. That's great. So Cultural Hurricane, available at the Information Counter. I encourage you to pick one up. Um, we're going to jump right into this. So my first question for you, uh, mostly as a follower of Jesus, mm -hmm. that's why we're here, but also as a trained psychologist, help us understand uh, what, how you would define what we mean when we talk about sexuality. Yeah, it's a great question because when we think of sexuality, we often think of, of sex and like whether we're having it or not as if that's our sexuality. But when we look in the scriptures and even what Jesus referred to, uh, the whole idea of sexuality comes out of the first couple chapters of Genesis where we're created in God's image, male and female. And the very word, uh, the etymology, the origin of the word sex is means to be cut off and long to reconnect. So you might think of like if you cut a branch off a tree, uh, you sex that branch off. And if the branch could talk, the branch would say, I really need to get reconnected to that tree or I'm going to die. That's what it means to be sexed. And we all live that way. We're all sexed. Um, we all ache. And none of us have it together. And, the, you know, when you listen to Jesus using language like, I'm the vine, you are the branches, that's really sexual imagery. And those of you who are married know um, that you really can't have a great marriage if you're not abiding in Christ. I mean, it, it really requires that kind of groundedness. So what it does to me is it encourages me that before we even start talking about specifics, we remember that for our health and sexuality, we need to come back to that reality that it's, it leads us back to God. <laughs> Our sexuality is this unfinished symphony, this ache that leads us first back to God. But that's where so much of the dysfunction comes from, right? Is that aching, that longing? Yeah. So to, from now, like from the time we're 13 until we're uh, dead. And as one guy said to me after a talk once, an older guy, he said, I, I hear this problem with lust for men goes away about an hour after the heart stops. Uh, <laughs> like, that sounds about right. But I, and I think that's important because here's the thing. You know, what we're going to talk about is how do we love our kids and our nieces and nephews who are identifying as transgender or identifying as gay? How do we really love them? And it really starts with our own sexual life because none of us have it 100% together. I mean, I've never met anyone, once you get to know them, who's, you know, who's, we're all struggling. We're all trying to get it right. And if one way we can avoid dealing with our own sexuality is finding people who look obviously messed up and then just project all our anxiety on them. Um, and if, you know, that works. And then you could use Bible verses, and then it sounds Christian, then you get to feel spiritual, psychologically healthy. Are you going to rule that out as an option for your church? <laughs> Probably. Okay. <laughs> Probably. And I do, we talked about this a little bit. I do want to just challenge us. Uh, I do think a lot of people are listening and responding. A lot of the emails are getting, I'm glad you're finally talking to those people. And I just want to be clear, I'm talking to this people. Yeah. Like, I, I, I'm, I'm talking to all of us, and as I've said every week, we all got baggage. We all got baggage in this area. We all have something to learn. We've all gotten things askew. Uh, and this is not a series for those people. It's a series for us understanding who we are and understanding today, especially how we can enter into some dialogue. Remember, we can get our theology right, but if we get love wrong, we're still wrong. And part of this is how do we do this in a way that loves people and honors people and, and really respects uh, what's going on. So, uh, the first question, when we get into this particularly, um, that I've gotten, this is the most common question. How do I talk to my child? How do I talk to our children about this stuff? 
So that's a, a broad thing. But how do I talk about uh, the gender confusion? How do I talk about same-sex attraction? How do I even begin to enter into that dialogue with yeah. young people? And, I, and one thing I said to Tim today, too, it's not just for our children. It's a question we're asking even within the, the youth program. Like, how, this is a common uh, topic that we have to address. So how do we do this? Could you just solve that for us once and for all? Well, it'll take three or four full minutes. Do we have that? Yeah. Right. Okay. No, I, well, I think we start with helping helping our children and ourselves understand the real spirituality of sexuality, to realize that that ache is about love and it's about, and there are ways to find love that are healthy and ways that are not healthy and ways that honor God and ways that don't honor God. And you really don't have to look that far out there. I mean, some of the most devastating things that happen to people tend to be sexual wounds. So I think that's the first thing. Um, you know, I, I wrote, a, produced a DVD, and I'm laughing because I, I produced a DVD and a booklet about how and when to talk to your kids about sex, when to say everything, which is like nine years old. Um, and, and I knew so much then, did, did this 15 years ago, and I was telling you before, like, I, kn I feel like I know less today than I knew then. The older I get, the less I know, because back then, it was really clear exactly what to say and when to say it. The problem today is nine-year-olds have already probably read more on the internet than is in that booklet. So the game has changed. Cultural hurricane. It's, everything's kind of up in the air right now. So, but the first thing is, to answer your question, first thing is we have to help our young people and ourselves understand that this is where we meet God in our longing to love. That's where we meet him in our families. Um, when, we, when we take care of people who are in need, we need to pray with our, our kids and remind them, this is what we're made for. We're made to love and to serve. We're not made to grasp and feel good and honor every desire that comes up. I mean, you could do that, but it's, it's not going to lead to joy. It's not going to be spiritually healthy. I think part of what you're saying, correct me if I'm wrong, though, is if we don't get this first part right, there's, there's a shame that comes with it. There's, a, there's an assumption that I'm broken yes. because I desire this. And what you're saying is the best thing we can do is help them to know Look, that desire is a, is a God thing. Your desire for com connection, your desire for life, even your desire for sex comes from a holy place. Yeah. It's what you do with it that matters. Because I think we immediately go to, uh, you know, I'm just messed up. Yes. And that just leads us to bad places anyway. That's the whole negative cycle. And that's one of the first things when we ran the sexual recovery group at the counseling center. That was the big job is to try and get the shame out. You know, they, uh, Chesterton famously didn't say, but everyone says he said, uh, the man who knocks on the door of a brothel is looking for God. And I think that's true, especially our longing for sex is often a spiritual desire that just is askew. It's just gone to the side. And so absolutely, we need to help kids understand that this is all good. Also, I think, you know, our sexuality is part of our purification. Um, you know, in a minute here, we're going to have you turn to the person next to you and share your most embarrassing sexual story. And, uh, <laughs> okay, okay, just kidding. <laughs> yeah, right. No, we won't do that. But if you do look back at those moments of regret, odds are good that God uses those moments of pain for transformation. You know, we can't kill our desires and we don't want to just gratify our desires, but our desires can be transformed in Christ. And so, you know, when your child comes home and talks about a bullying situation, we can bring that, we can talk to them about their desires and, and, Use that as a time to pray with them and pray for the bully and pray for everyone because every time bad things happen, we get to be transformed by it. And when they make mistakes, 
sexual mistakes, to sit down and say, it's not the end of the world. Come on, let's pray about it. Like, let's see what you can learn from this. Or, you know, guys and women who struggle with pornography, um, you know, a lot of times they say, I just can't stop. Right. I just can't. And, and I would say, you're right. But in, in Christ, you can stop. On your own will, in your own power, you can't stop. That's why it keeps coming up. But keep praying about it. Keep reading good stuff about what God intends for your sexuality. And I'm telling you, people, get, people do get clean. And they don't, sure. in the process, they get more holy. And, yeah, and, and more Jesus. And more Jesus. That's yeah. what we want. So what do you think we need to hear, we being the church, uh, parents, yeah. about the current LGBTQ plus? Yeah. I think I got them all. You got them all. And, and I'm glad we're talking today and not next year because by next year there'll be four more. Um, yeah, so, well, here's the thing that has really helped me is um, to begin with what is real and then to talk about how does um, our spirituality build on that. So, for example, and we'll talk about both um, what people are calling transgenderism today, uh, meaning when someone is biologically male and then, but they identify as female. You know, they come home and they say, you've been calling me Tim, I want you to call me Tammy, I am really a girl inside. And um, gender, that's gender dysphoria is the clinical name for it. It's been around for a long time. In the 90s, I worked with people with gender dysphoria. It's a very, very difficult thing. There's evidence to suggest that there might be some biological basis for this. You know, somewhere between a half percent and 1.7 percent of young people have what they would call a biological sexual developmental problem, which some people call intersexism, meaning you have some parts female, some parts male inside at some level. Um, and when that happens, sometimes children, when it's really obvious, they'll raise a child, for example, as a boy. But as the boy gets older, the boy's like, man, I'm a girl. Like, I'm really a girl. But they have some girl parts in them. And so in those situations, that person may transition and start living as a girl. And we may be stirred to judgment, but the reality is there's actually a biological basis for that move from one to the other. For that other. small percentage. For that very, very small percentage. And the truth is gender dysphoria used to be a like 1%, maybe two tops of the population, but closer to one. The problem is this whole issue has come into the political scene, for those of you who haven't noticed. Um, and, and that's what's created what we have right now, which is a mess. And so now you get, I see clients who are fine, you know, say as a boy, and then they turn 12 and spend a summer on the internet and meeting new people, and they announce to their parents, I thought it was a boy, turns out I'm a girl. And I'm not making light of this. It's very painful for everyone involved. But that's a completely different situation than the child. To be diagnosed with gender dysphoria, you need to be, these kids need to show it when they're toddlers, when they're three years old. You know, they say, mommy, I'm not a girl, I'm a boy. That, and when that happens, that is, you need that early childhood um, you need to see it in early childhood in order to make the diagnosis in adolescence. So what we have today, people are calling rapid onset gender dysphoria, ROGD, meaning well-adjusted, right around puberty, there becomes, there's a lot of anxiety about being fully a man or fully a woman, and a lot of times that triggers this, um, this you know, identifying as the opposite gender. So there's a biological, there's something, there can be something biological going on for a small percentage of people. So that's the first thing. In the same way with um, sexual orientation, there is really good evidence that some people, from the time they're quite young, do experience a homosexual orientation, um, and that's, that is really not that amenable to change. And I think, you know, I think we can accept that. There is such a thing as people who have a homosexual orientation, 
And, you know, we've tried all kinds of things in the church. You know, we had Exodus International that we had all kinds of attempts to try and make people straight. Programs, right? Yeah, programs. And, and some people do. But, for the, but the reality is for someone who is, um, who some people, I believe, really are wired that way. And I've met some amazing Christian men and women in their 30s and 40s who tell a very compelling story that this has been true since I was six, seven years old. So that's, we have to figure out what does love look like for someone like that? That's different than someone who might have like a sexual addiction and is out of control and is promiscuous. The, you know what I mean? These are two different situations. So part of what you're saying though is even within that, someone who, and this, this has created some confusion from your emails that you've been sending to me, which by the way, you can still be sending me emails at askus at gracewire.com. I'm happy to answer them. And I have a few that I haven't answered. Could you send them over the weekend? And I'll do it when I get back to work. <laughs> so if you're wondering why. Anyway, all those disclaimers are out of the way. <laughs> yeah, wow. Um, when we talked about uh, someone can have, is, are all homosexuals going to hell was a question that you asked. And, and when I explained it and talked about the fact that uh, desire and acting out on desire are not the same thing. Desire and temptation is not sin. Right? And, and there is a consequence to sin for sure. But what we've talked about is, you know, and a lot of the books that I even recommended are written by people who would say, this has been who I am since I'm young, but I am celibate. So they are people who would identify as being same, having same-sex attraction, but they're not acting out on that. They're living a celibate lifestyle. So that's, that's where Tim's going with this, is that, mm -hmm. that the, the difference is we're not trying to fix them. We're not trying to say to them, you have to, you know, give up this part or, or it, because it hasn't right. shown to be very effective is part of what you're saying. Right, right. And, and there are some people who are, it's, it's probably on a spectrum and some people who are somewhat in the middle. And so, you know, people who do experience same-sex attraction and then end up well-adjusted in a heterosexual marriage, they might say, well, no, you really can change. But I, I think, right. yeah. So, but that's, a, I only say that because, and I know you've said this, I just think we need a, a whole lot of humility and, and the truth is, you know, I always say, like, this is hard. It's not bad. You know, hard isn't bad. Hard's just hard. We just are living in a time when we have to find a way to love in these situations. And I don't think it's, it's, it's not easy, but that doesn't make it bad. So the question is, I think it's okay to love someone passionately. Like, if you have a niece or a nephew, maybe even today you'll think, you know what? I'm just going to text them and say, you know, I'm thinking about you and I love you to love and engage and make lots of eye contact and really care for people. And when, if they do corner you, and they probably won't, but if they say, but what do you really think about people, you know, boys having sex with boys or something, you don't have to answer. You don't, I mean, you can answer it if you want, but, but that's a, you don't have to always take the bait. We don't have to answer the questions that people want to ask us so that Especially when they're trying to pick a fight. Especially when they're trying to. Now, that's different if you've been praying with someone and you're having a real heart-to-heart -heart and they sure. say, hey, can, what's, um, you know, what do you think about this? And if God prompts us, then absolutely don't be afraid to speak what's, what's on your heart, what God is telling you. But, but, man, I think it's so easy to fail on the first part, isn't it? It's so easy to, you know, you have that niece who's whatever and, uh, you know, identifying as a boy or whatever. And it's, isn't it easy? I know for me, I just want to avoid conversation. Like, you know, you go to the family party and she's not there and you're like, Ooh, that's a relief. Cause I wouldn't know what to say, but what if God is calling us? And this is what, this is, I think I'm, ex I think in the book I write, I, I quote, um, you know, what an exciting time to be alive because 
as, as Christians, we always, missionary work always means you go into the hard places. You go into the places where no one knows the right answer. You go across cultures when you don't even know the language. So let's do it. Like, let's engage these people and love them well. Like, we don't, it's not compromising any beliefs we have. Like, why not engage? Well said. So. One of the other controversial things, well, I don't think it's controversial, but mm -hmm. it's created some dialogue is uh, if uh, you have a friend who is gay and they're gonna get married, do you go to the wedding? And I said, in most cases, I would say, yes, you should go to the wedding. I'm I, hoping you agree with me. Yeah. <laughs> so um, I think we're going to have a pastoral search committee that'll be meeting next week. <laughs> That's a, one of my good friends said, oh, you're doing that series. You got your resume? <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Um, well, you know, I, I went to, a, 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 I was at a conference a while back, and a guy who's been working in this area for a real long time, and I'm forgetting his name, I was, um, but he... He has been working in the gay community for a long time as a devout Christian who holds to a historical sexual ethic. And he said to the people, someone asked him that question, should you go to the wedding? And he said, absolutely yes. And everyone was shocked. I was shocked. I'm like, but, and he said, you, they know where you're at. When you show up and love them and engage them and befriend their partner and love their partner, look, our sexuality only heals in, when we encounter God directly. Um, and if we're not encountering God directly, then, then and we, we tend to pull away from people who are struggling and then wonder why, they, why things seem to be in a downward spiral. And we look and we're like, wow, see that? Their life is getting worse and worse. Um, rather than engage them. Um, you know, I was at, talking to a guy doing a radio call-in show. <laughs> uh, those are always fun. And the guy said, you know, he was going to a Starbucks and the, the, uh, with his daughters, they would go there frequently. And the barista was transitioning from a male to female. And uh, he said, well, we, we're, star we're not going to that Starbucks anymore. It freaks my daughters out. And we're taking a stand. And I said, first of all, you're going to give up Starbucks? Like, like <laughs> where's your faith? I know. What, what if you're having a bad day? No, wait, really? What if you're tired? What if you need that caffeine? I don't get the Starbucks. But after I got over that, I said, but what if this person at Starbucks, what if you're the only Jesus followers that he had in his life? Why don't you do your, you could do your Bible study there, make eye contact and, and love on this person. And you know, one day they may sit down and say, you know, if, if they are in trouble and their life does go down, you know, downward spiral, wouldn't it be great to have a relationship with them so that you could love them up? I mean, that's so, but I, and I know it's so tempting to be like, but what do you believe about these verses? And it's like, you know what? Call Pastor Doug. He has the answers to all those questions. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. I think the thing that you're saying that even strikes me, and I didn't know this was going to come out of this mm -hmm. conversation, is that it go all the way back to where we started, that deep longing and how we can, for lack of a better word, exacerbate the problem by pulling away. If someone has a deep longing and they're expressing the deep longing in an unhealthy place and we pull away from them in an unhealthy way, we're just making that deep longing a deeper longing. Yes. Right? Like that, that's what's, what's striking me as we talk is, oh, yeah. you know, if, if that barista needs the eye contact and needs uh, you to look them in the eye and, and just befriend them. Yes. Yeah, I, I just think it's a beautiful picture that you're painting, and, and we need to hear it. We need to hear it as a church, mm -hmm. for sure. How should we respond to a child 
your child comes home and says, uh, I, want, I want you to call me by a different name. No more he or she. I want to be neutral or I want to be uh, like, uh, this is, the, this is what the parents are asking. This is, yeah, what do, what do we do? No, I mean, and this is, a, this is a, an incredibly difficult, I think probably today it is the most difficult issue. Uh, because it has all kinds of implications. And because this whole issue has been politicized, now we're doing things to kids, like doing kids with this rapid onset gender d- dysphoria. Um, you know, we're, there are places where they're giving them uh, hormone-suppressing uh, yes. drugs and setting them up for surgeries, things they're going to live with the rest of their life, even though the research has been quite clear that for most of these kids, it would resolve if, if you give it time. So if that happens, the first thing is take a deep breath and be really kind with yourself and realize this is, the, this is the culture we're living in. This is, you know, because, and this is what we mean by cultural hurricane is a quick dodge of the question. You know, we, we used to be able to, this, this didn't used to happen because we used to be able to pretty much control the input that our kids were getting. And if they ended up befriending the wrong kinds of people, we would just find a way to do a friendectomy. Or if you couldn't, you'd come see Dr. Tim, and Dr. Tim would teach you how to manipulate your child into a friendectomy. That's what we did. That's what we did next door for so long. But, but today, we have so little control because, you know, and here's the thing, you know, a kid who's struggling has that, um, you know, we call early adolescence the time of um, identity confusion. That's everyone. For sure. Only today... You know, you can be 13, not know, and be like, wow, maybe the reason I don't feel good in my skin is because I'm, the, I'm really a boy. So here's how I would handle it. I mean, the first thing is increase the amount of time you spend with your child talking about other stuff other than sexuality. Um, I just was telling you, I was with a guy yesterday who had something going on with his early adolescent, and I said, man, just do something. Get him out of town. Just spend some time. You know, let your attachment... And don't force the conversation. And the don't force the conversation. Yeah, let it... I, I always say, like, when you're parenting, always know what pictures you have warming up in the bullpen, and then know when to call in the right picture and pitch that right little mini lesson. But don't force it. Like, don't... And that's what he did, and God... Thank God it worked out great. He said it was really great. All the things he was hoping to talk about came up naturally. Now, I don't know if they really did or he forced it. But um, so that's the first thing. Increase the amount of time you spend. Ask a lot of questions. And when you ask questions, first of all, say, I'm not calling you by a different name until I have a better feeling for what you're talking about. This is a huge deal. So ask good questions. Ask questions about um, masculinity and femininity, like what does that mean to the person as opposed to gender? Ask about what you like about, what it draws you to the other gender, because so often this is about disliking the gender they are. It's about a rejection of their body. Um, And then if you need to, you could get an evaluation because there could be some things going on inside that are actually physical, genetic, or or hormonal that will be good to find out. So I would get a good visit with a pediatrician, a Christian pediatrician, if you can find, if you you don't have one, find one. those would be some initial steps. Um, I would tell them, I, and then I would start learning what you could. You know, one of the things I told you is that it's always been the standard of care that someone who identifies with gender dysphoria, it's a two to three year evaluation process before you do anything medically with them. So, so that, those would be the steps I would take and, and know it's going to be a process. Like you said, it's not going to be one big life-changing conversation. It's going to be small conversations. You know, what I suggest is, depending on how, on how old your child is, find out where they're getting their information and who they're interacting with 
And even though it might be difficult, you might end up um, changing schools or you know, doing something to limit what they do on the internet. Um, you might have to do something radical like that. Uh, you might have to do a I've never heard that word, but yes. you might use it in the future. Yep. Yeah, one of the uh, authors that I listened to actually uh, was a woman was talking about, um, and I think you're hitting on this. Uh, she was talking about her church experience in her, she was in her 30s as, as a young person. Mm-hmm. The boys were, I think I told you the story, the boys were uh, shooting bow and arrows at, oh, the, yes. at camp. Yes, yeah, so they had a vacation Bible school, and the girls had to do art. And she very much would have rather shot the bow and arrows. Yeah. And she went home and she talked to her parents about it. And what she said was, I'm fairly confident if this had happened to me in today's culture, I would have questioned my gender. Yeah. She said, it never entered my mind to question my gender. I just knew I wanted to shoot bow and arrows. And her point was, sometimes we just need to ask the question, why? Yes. Why are you, why are you feeling what you're feeling? What's causing you to, as, and, and it could be, I cry easy at movies. I must be a girl. Yeah. Right? Or, you know, and we've talked about this. I think I probably would have been confused because I'm that guy. I cried. I cried at commercials when I was, like, I still do sometimes, which is embarrassing. But when I was, you know, and, I, and it, it's, hard, it's hard to be a high feeler and a boy at the same time. I didn't really gravitate towards sports the way other boys did. So, but I never once had to ask a question. But now our kids are being forced to ask questions about that they shouldn't be asking. But we as parents and leaders can get to the, some of the roots of this and say, what's really going on? What's happening? What, what, you know, yeah. We hadn't talked about this before. Did something happen at school? Are you sensing? And, and even helping people to realize like some of our cultural stereotypes of what's masculine and feminine are just cultural. Like It's okay for girls to shoot bow and arrows, mm-hmm. and it's okay for boys to do art. Right? We all know that. We would say it. But yet sometimes we force... You know, yes. even in the youth group, we force sort of these stereotypes, and maybe we need to step back a little bit and say, sometimes it doesn't always fit, and we're creating some of the confusion. So I, you were supposed to be the expert. Sorry. No, I I, that was the, really good. Slipped into the wrong chair there for a minute. So it sounds like what you're saying is every now and then you just want to put on a nice dress and some pumps and see how. It... Yes. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> okay. No, but here's here's something that is worth saying to your child. Um, you know. L- l- Every cell in our body, you know, is either male or female. You know, if I used to watch CSI back in the day when I had young kids and was trying to find a way to escape my world. Um, and, you know, they would say, like, we found the finger of the victim. And then they would say, well, what do you know about it? And they'd say, well, it's, it's, it's a female because you could see every cell, every skin cell has a, has, either has a Y chromosome or doesn't. If it does, it's a boy. If it's two X chromosomes in every cell, it's a girl. Meaning, what I would say to my child who came home with that, I would say, look, we're going to start by going to the doctor and make sure you're okay, make sure your hormones are okay, make sure genetically there's nothing going on. Because here's the reality. You know, when you're 18, and I always tell families this when they bring their child, look, when he's 18, he's going to do whatever he wants. So what we're really talking about is from now till then. But every cell in your body is either male or female. So you can get hormone suppressants, go ahead. You can have surgery, reassignment surgery, go ahead. But at the end of the day, whatever you look like, every cell in your body is still what you were when you were born. And I'm sorry about that. You know, we used to work with people who had eating disorders, and it was heartbreaking. You know, I would see these girls come in and see, I didn't see them, Dr. Mary Clark saw them. And, you know, these girls would be 80, 85 pounds. They would be two weeks away from dying. And they would say, I am so fat. I'm just so fat. And we would cry in supervision listening to these stories because we would say, objectively speaking, look at your blood work. 
you're not fat. You're deathly uh, sick and skinny. But they'd look in the mirror and say, no, 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 I'm fat. And the same thing happens, you know, with, with a child. They look in the mirror and they're like, no, I know you, I'm a girl, but I am a boy. I, I have more boyness. So it, we, have a, we have to have a lot of conversations with them. And can I just say, and I know this sounds cliche, but, you know, I say if, for every minute we spend talking to someone in this situation, we should spend two minutes praying for them. Because at the end of the day, we're praying that God does something. We're praying that the person with an eating disorder can finally wake up and realize it's about something else. This isn't about their body. And that is my experience with people, most of the people I've worked with. I think there are exceptions. There really are exceptions that have biological bases and, you know, have intersex characteristics and all that. But most of what we're seeing today, um, there's other stuff going on. There's other messages, other lies, other you know, misinterpreted body sensations that. Hmm. Uh, I think this conversation could um, continue, but we are up against it time-wise. I'm going to ask Tim to pray for us um, and pray over us. And uh, Tim will be available in the back. He's just going to go to the information counter where we're selling the books. Um, and if you do want to have a conversation with him, I think he would love to uh, interact with you. Absolutely. Uh, I just want to reiterate the, the one thing that's sticking with me uh, is this holy longing. Like, this is so important for us to get. All of us. Those places where it gets askew, it's getting askew, but it's coming from this God-given longing for connection, for community, to being attached. You're not going to find it anywhere but in God, right? And, and, but even for us to realize this deep longing and how it's just striking me. So, like, for our young people in the student ministries, like, like we, we have to pursue them. We have to love them. We have to connect with them. We have to look them in the eye. We have to make sure this is a place where they know they belong, a place where they know that we're going to care for them and love them because that's what's really deep in their spirit. So, with that, I'm going to ask Tim to pray for us. And uh, we'll... Great. And as we pray, um, I'm going to invite you to think about the people in your life that are struggling with um, these kinds of issues and their families. And as we pray, let's pray for ourselves first, and then let's also pray for uh, these people. And so, our God, we uh, acknowledge humbly how we don't get this right sometimes, and, and yet we also pray that you would be at work in us. Cast out all fear, as Mel was praying. No fear. So we can walk into the lives. We can text reach out, encounter the people in our lives who we know are struggling and bring your kingdom to bring your love to them. We pray even now that your spirit would flow in us, through us, bringing healing to us and also to our kids, to the kids we know that are struggling with these issues, that they would have a fresh encounter with you and they would have a, 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 a holistic, a holy awakening in them of their longings to love that, that honor you and bring goodness to the world. So we surrender uh, these young people to you. We surrender ourselves to you, our families Absolutely. to you. Uh, we recommit ourselves to you to be people who bring light and not fear, who bring love everywhere we go. We commit this to you, Jesus, and pray in and through you. Amen. Amen. Uh, again, Tim will be in the back if you want to head back there so they can okay. find you. Uh, the books will be for sale at the information counter. Let's thank Dr. Tim Hogan. Thank you. <laughs> Thanks, Dr. So thank now. you. Yep, you can uh, go now. Okay. <laughs> Hey, the group that prayed for you this morning before the service started, uh, this is what they heard, that God uh, has a desire to protect, bring power, sound mind to his children. 
that we need to come to the Lord as children, uh, that God desires to restore what's broken, and uh, that fits very much to what we're talking about. Uh, there was even a sense that somebody's struggling with uh, some problems with their right ear. We'd love to pray for healing over for that, and that uh, there's some who just know that their marriage is in a difficult place, and they want prayer for marriage protection. We would love to do that as well. Um, I want to just communicate to you that uh, while this series is wrapping up, it's very clear to me uh, that we, we also need to be having 101-minute conversations, and this just needs to be uh, woven into my messages more, into what we're talking about more. So while we're moving on from this series, I think we just need to know that uh, we need to uh, talk about this a little bit more. I don't feel like we've exactly covered everything we need to cover in three weeks, uh, but it's certainly been a good beginning for us to open a dialogue for conversation. So if you need prayer, there's some uh, trained people down here that can pray with you. I want to reiterate that the guy, men should be praying with men, women should be praying with women, especially considering the topic that we are covering because it'll just make it more comfortable uh, for people to talk. If you're online, uh, there's a couple numbers you can call on the screen. We'll also put you into a private prayer appointment. You don't have to reveal why you're calling. So if it is personal or embarrassing or whatever you're feeling, we just don't want you to move away from getting the prayer that you need. So God bless you. Uh, again, there's a little bit of a party happening in the cafe to honor Denny. Go have some cake. Stop and buy a book. And uh, thank you. See you next week. <laughs>